Welcome to Fast Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. So today I got, I feel like I hit the jackpot today because Dr. Bob Rakowski decided that he had time to visit me on my podcast and he's a big deal in the chiropractic world. He speaks a lot for Nutridyne and we've already had Josh from Nutridyne on and he has videos pretty much daily on his Facebook site and he is committed to helping people live a better lifestyle and improving their health uh, day by day. So welcome Dr. Rakowski. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, we both hit the jackpot because we're on the same page. We want to make the world better. We want to help the world find their way to health. And we sure know they need it. So I appreciate you and your efforts. And I'm excited to share. Wonderful. So first of all, tell us where where do you practice and what exactly are you doing on a day-to-day basis for the population? Well, I, I practice in Houston, Texas. So I'm originally from the Midwest, right? Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Didn't like the cold, so I moved south. Um, you know, day to day, I see a whole range of patients. You know, literally this last week, I think my oldest patient was 82. Came in happy, no mask, right? Just because she had a little, little bit of hip pain. I uh, saw some professional athletes. I saw some young kids and, and basically everything in between. We don't have people walking into our clinic fearful because they know the stats, right? This is a 0.26% death rate, and it has its demographic. It attacks the sick, weak, frail, elderly, or those people that are on drugs that are proven to increase the probability of, of COVID infection. And, and so, you know, they've taken charge of their health. They know how to improve their immune function. Uh, they're happy to do that, and they want to be good examples for the world. So day-to-day, you know, I see patients, and, and I, I talk about the Magnificent Seven personally. I eat right, drink right, think right, move right, sleep right, poop right, talk right, and teach my friends to do that too, and patients. And by the way, we're mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, social, financial, and impactful, and we should invest in those days, at, you know, daily activities as well. So. I love those uh, those seven rules that you have, but why do you think it's so difficult for certain people, well, a lot of people, it seems, to follow something like that? Uh, well, we have made it very, very easy to make bad choices. So, you know, nature says, you know, water takes the path of least resistance. Current takes the path of least resistance. People take the path of least resistance. And they're taking that path to their demise and their death and their discomfort and their drugged out body, mind, and spirit. And, and so is it easier to you know, prepare your organic food and get on an exercise regime and meditate and make sure you get your eight hours of sleep and have enough fiber, water, and neurologic tone to use the restroom regularly so it cleanses your body? And, and the answer is no, that takes a lot of effort. But here's what I'm going to tell people. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you could spend one day in your being, I promise you, your patients would go, oh, I, I want to make that investment. And same with mine. You know, when, when they see that I have plenty of energy, plenty of everything that I want, well, now, now you just got to pay the price. And there is a price. You know, and I had said to my husband the other day, and I said, it is so ridiculous how easy it is to be lazy and fat. And he started laughing and he said, 
right? He said, and it's not easy to be healthy and in shape. And I said, it is once you're in a routine, because once you're eating right and you're doing all the right things and you have discipline, because you're not always going to have motivation, but if you're disciplined, you can do this. Well, you, you might appreciate this. I taught a neurology series around the world in the mid 2000s. And basically one of those sections was on addiction. And if I had a room of 200 doctors, I would ask, you know, how many have never been addicted to, to anything? And I might get one or two people raise their hands saying they've never been addicted to anything. So what are we addicted to? That which gives us pleasure. So choose our addictions wisely. Can you get addicted to exercise? I promise you can. Can you get addicted to really good food? I promise you, you can. Can you get addicted to a bedtime routine, a, a sleep routine where you wake up and feel like a million bucks without an alarm? I promise you, you can. You know, can you get addicted to, you, you know, honor your body with whatever nutrition gets your bowels to move appropriately? I, I promise you, you can. Why not get addicted to that stuff instead of the stuff that's literally proven to hijack our chemistry not for the good of our body, mind, or spirit, but for the good of, of people that are feeding off of people's bad addictions. There's just, there's just no way I can honor that. So when you're talking about being addicted to things, a lot of people, and I'm not saying that I haven't been there myself, are addicted to sugar. Sugar is, don't they say it's more addicting than cocaine? 94% of rats prefer processed sugar to cocaine. And it's, it's there. We know that that's a fact. And so... But if we talk about addiction and environment a little bit more, I, I, there was a study after Vietnam, and this will be an extreme case, but you know, it's actually suggested that 20% of our soldiers came back from Vietnam addicted to heroin, but 95% of them beat that addiction without any type of formal program. And what they figured out was that environment was very, very important. So they would do rat studies and you know, if they put a rat in a cage all by itself, cold and lonely, and gave them an opportunity for heroin, well, they took it until they died. But if they created an environment that was nourishing to the rat, where they had plenty of playmates and things to do and good food choices, almost none of the rats became addicted and none of them overdosed on heroin. So environment counts. So, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, of whoever said this. It was a clever person. They said, you know, I can resist anything but temptation. So you buy your willpower at the store, stay in the peripheral aisles. If the sugar's not in your house, you're not likely to eat it. And can we get that fixed a healthier way? I promise you, honey is gonna push those taste buds in a beautiful way. The right type of fruit in season is gonna you know, tickle your taste buds in a wonderful way. And you can learn to enjoy every type of food, but sugar, uh, Candace Pert said this in her book, Molecules of Emotion, if the, if the sugar was uh, to be approved today, right, basically it'd be hard to get it passed because it would be considered a drug for prescription only because of its high potential for abuse and addiction. That's unreal. So how do you help people overcome their sugar addiction or like a kid, well, especially? We, we've got to create the environment, right? So parents have to take it away. So, you know, I recall my, my students, right? And, and I remember my kids, they were so awesome. And, and, and they still are, by the way. Now they're adults and I'm a grandpa. But up until age five, they had no exposure to any junk. 
But then suddenly they go to school and they're exposed to friends and, and they're bouncing off the walls because they're they're addicted to this garbage and it doesn't take much. But over time, they learn that, OK, you know, ultimately there's a price to pay. They, they get it. They spike. They crash. They get it. They spike. They crash. So we want to create the environment and we do, we do need to educate. Most of the physical part of the addiction can be overcome in, you know, three to five days. And then the habit, well, that takes as long as it takes. But again, buy your willpower at the store. And then there are certain nutrients that can influence brain chemistry in a very positive way. So, you know, you mentioned Nutridyne. So they have a product called Crave Curve. You know, I don't know if we can plug products, but it actually enhances the neurochemistry that makes it easier to, to stop addiction. And there's a number of other really good products that do that. There's, a, there's an herb known as Reishi that I love a lot. And it influences the neurochemistry of addiction and happiness and, and even focus. So lots of good plans to help. I'm very, very grateful my sons were able to go to basketball camp, but they there was a camp store there. And so you could leave money and the things you could buy were like gummy worms or gummy bears, pop tarts and Powerade and stuff like that. Well, we're all gluten-free because we got, we got the celiac thing going on here, but so they can't have that. But I didn't put any money to the store. And I said, we'll go get something after. We'll go get you a treat, like something different. Because who wants to take a bunch of kids and give them a bunch of sugar when you're trying to teach them? It always blows my mind because then you'll talk to people and be like, well, how was camp? The people who are working there. And I didn't talk to anyone at this camp. But a lot of times they're like, well, you know, those are pretty wild days. Yes, they're wild days because you're pumping them full of sugar during their breaks. It's it's fun. It's such an easy concept, but no one gets it. And it's hard for me because living in a small town, I seem like the crazy one. But these are my choices. Like we all make our own choices, right? Well, the path of least resistance is usually not the path to what we want, right? So it's been said there's no traffic jam on the extra mile. So you're going the extra mile for your family and your community, and they're, they're blessed to have you. But, you know, at some point in time, they're, they're going to wake up. They're, they're going to see, well, why does she look so good? And why are her kids so lean? And why are they not worried about this little bug when they're all, you know, running around frightened out of their mind and exposing themselves to toxic chemicals through their skin, thinking they're helping their body? They're not. No. They're absolutely not. But you are. And thank and you for that. I really, well, thank you for that because you've really paved a path for chiropractors and people in general to learn on this stuff. And you, and you teach people absolutely daily. And I, I totally admire that. So to dive into this, I don't even, I have a list of questions for you, but I'm, I'm going to go off that because a lot of times I will hear from people, we've never had an ear infection in our house and we've never had an antibiotic in our house. We did have, well, I should say we had an antibiotic eye drop because one of my sons had an issue with his eyes, but we've never had an oral antibiotic. So I'm still going to say no one's had one. And I, a lot of people will say to me, well, you're just lucky. And I, and finally I started saying, no, I'm not lucky at all. This has nothing to do with luck. I have three children who have not had any antibiotics. How many people can say that? Well, our family certainly can, right? right. You know, <laughs> my, my kids are all grown up and, and people that think like us and behave like us have families that have that experience, you know, unless there's some type of rare circumstance, but it's, it's certainly not the norm, but you know, health is a choice. It has to be earned. And again, back to that same idea, if you do what the others do, you're going to have what the others have. And that's a, an obese, depressed, anxious, sick, frightened, addicted population. 
It's not what we choose. Not at all. So I want to know what your mask looks like. Are you wearing a mask down in Texas? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, <laughs> and so, you know, I was the person that protested going in the store and, you know, literally they said, you need a mask. I said, I've got a medical exemption, right? It's a health exemption. And by the way, we can write those for our patients. There's, I have patients that say, I have anxiety when I put a mask on. Well, guess what? I'm going to write you a health exemption. But I came to realize that I was scaring people in the store. I know that sounds strange. I walk in, I, you know, there's no way I'm going to infect anybody with anything. Or, or if, trust me, you want what I have. But <laughs> at any rate, so I put the mask on only here, right? My nose was wide open. And guess what? No one even looked twice or questioned. It's like, okay, now we can breathe easy. He's got a mask on. This mask is doing nothing. Now, it's, it, fortunately, it's you know, not affecting me as negatively as it is for you because you're breathing your bacteria and your carbon dioxide, and I only put mine in inside the door because I, I didn't want to seem like the guy that's going to scare the population. I'm, I'm not interested in scaring anybody, but I am interested in enlightening as many people as I can. I love that. And we, we were just on vacation in Montana and it was required, you know, to wear them in certain places and I wouldn't wear them or I really wouldn't have them on. And I was annoying my husband because he's like, can you just do that? And I said, no, I don't think that I need to wear a mask. However, I will say I do have some patients who feel better if I wear a mask. And if that makes them feel better, that's fine because I think it's very important for them to have chiropractic care. So I have done that for them because I will respect that. But I really struggled with the whole mask thing. So then we came home from vacation and I'd like to get your take on this too, because my husband said, are we just downplaying this? He said, because I don't want to look back and say, oh, we should have, we should have done better and we should have taken this more seriously. And I honestly didn't even answer him because I think that daily we do things to prevent it. I mean, we're taking different supplements now than we were taking back in January. But, you know, for the average person, what, what are you telling them to do? Well, let's just, just go with the statistics, the real statistics. So there's a Yale professor that basically said the probability of a pediatric dying from this is less than the probability of them being struck by lightning and die. The probability of a healthy adult under the age of 45 dying like this is less than the probability of them dying in a car accident on their way to work. So what exactly are we doing? And, and so keep in mind, and, and this is one of the statistics I shared, you know, they're talking about these spikes in cases. Well, that's debatable because Literally every state has people reporting, you know, the line was too long for the COVID test. Yes, I signed up for it. I stepped out of line. I never got tested, but I got my results in the mail. And they said, by the way, you're positive for COVID. So are the numbers being embellished? Texas, I, I got sick of the numbers, but I have a PhD researcher patient that was in this morning. And he said, Bob, did you see that Texas had to retract three thousand COVID deaths because they were not COVID deaths. Holy. Yes. Now, then you start looking at Oxford looked at Italy. I don't know if you remember in the early days, Italy was saying, oh my gosh, this is the killer virus. Hide, hide, hide. Don't go out. Stay quarantined. Oxford audited Italy's death certificates. 88%, 88 of 100 people that were called a COVID death 
were not COVID deaths. I posted a video on my timeline, a 21 year old male in Florida was killed in a head-on collision and a motorcycle accident. What did the death certificate say? COVID death. So there's something going on out here that doesn't add up. Now there was a whole group of medical physicians, God bless them, they gave a press conference yesterday in Washington, DC. It looked like there was 20 of them, none of them wearing masks, all board certified, all credentialed. Now they were coming from the medical model and they said, look, we know about this. We've learned from people that are treating it. They like hydroxychloroquine, they like Zithromax, and they like zinc. I said, you know what, I agree with the zinc, but they had that press conference and there was 18,500 people live, and guess what, Facebook pulled it. So there's another uh, media outlet, it, it, I don't, the, the spelling, um, I, I won't repeat what it sounds, but it's B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E, I don't know how they came up with that name, but they're not censoring stuff. And they redid the press conference. And the first thing the woman said was, we're redoing this because they censored it. Here we have board certified physicians talking about what works in their patient base and they're censoring it. Now, they also talked about false studies that were retracted in the Lancet and the Journal of the American Medical Association you know, saying that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous. And here's what they said. This drug has been approved for 65 years. It's over the counter in malaria countries. They give it to pregnant women. They give it to pediatrics with a 65 year track record of success. And one woman who was from Africa said, you know what? I grew up in Africa. We use this drug all the time. I know personally that it's safe. So in my own practice, I have treated 350 patients with this drug and we have exactly zero deaths. And she said, by the way, I take it a very low dose. Uh, I think she said once a week, 200 milligrams or every other week. She said, and I'm not worried about this. It prevents COVID like it does malaria. But keep in mind, there's been a, a block on it. There's been fake research on it. Doctors are being punished for prescribing it. Pharmacists are allowed to block it. Now, you know, what would you and I do? Well, we do what we do. We, we, we take the stress out of the body. That helps the immune system, right? We know that the nervous system and the immune system are very, very intimately connected. But then let's talk about nutrition. World-renowned immunologist says, you know, colostrum is really, really good. We know that zinc blocks viral replication. We know that vitamin D is pretty epic for that. I give vitamin C and I, and I wrap it up with reishi mushroom and, you know, that's what I send home to my parents that are, are 79 years old and were a bit concerned. I said, mom and dad, you, you, you live healthy and let's send you the nutrients that you need. And, and they're fine. They're great. As would everybody be if they go the extra mile to take care of themselves or if they didn't go to a competent medical practitioner that is willing to do what it takes to help their patients. And that's what these doctors said. We're here because we want to help patients. People don't need to die because information is being blocked. But that's exactly what's happening. It is sad that when people don't want to hear something, how much they will attack it. And it's scary, really. Well, we have to ask, where's that coming from? Because it's not coming from facts. It's not coming from logic. Now, you know, there, there was a group of people that, that named this. They called it propaganda. 
Uh, and we know some societies and some leaders. And, and by the way, they're on the list of the scumbags of the earth, the people <laughs> that did all this propaganda. But guess what? It's being done under our nose, in our communities, blasting 24-7. You know, one of the, one of the posts that I, I posted, I got something from a friend. It was the, the guy from the Twilight Zone. And you might be, you know, too young to have ever re- remembered that. But here's a guy standing there in a the city says, imagine a virus so dangerous that you have to go to your doctor to be tested to see if you have it. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, how dangerous is that? Oh, I've got no symptoms. I better be tested. Oh, I don't want to wait. Oh, but guess what? I didn't get tested, but I got positive results in the mail. Mm-hmm. You know, people like you are waking up the world and I appreciate you for that. Thank you. Let's talk about this for a moment. So how many people die of tuberculosis every year? And, and the number is something like 1.5 million people. So where have the masks been for all of this tuberculosis? And by the way, tuberculosis doesn't come in a season. It's every year. It's every year. It's every year. So what's this all about? And, you know, those answers, I, I hope, are answered in a high court But the people that will be answering the questions, they've got on TV and said, oh, by the way, I lied. I lied about masks. Oh, I trust you now. Right. There was a a skill that I really enjoy. His his name is Jocko Willink. And, you know, these are very elite people. And and he said, you know what? The one thing you never do to your to your team is you you don't lie to them. You, You have just lost all credibility when you lie to them. But hey, We've been lied to again and again and again. And even when he comes out and says, yeah, I lied. You know, he he had a little song and dance around it. So people go, oh, well, look how honest he is. He just admitted he lied. That was to push another schedule, right? By the way, since masks have been out, infection rate is up, right? Mm -hmm. And it's past the incubation period. So are masks making people sick? Well, mask wearing is matching exponential increase. Masks must must have something to do with ill health. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know how people have white coat syndrome? I think people have mask syndrome because it's it's stressful to them. So I think it's making people worse, just seeing people in masks. I can't stand it because when I see someone, I like to see their mouth. I like to see if they're smiling or, you know, there's just a lot to it. So when you take that away, I don't know. It's I really struggle with it, but. Well, who wouldn't? Now, if they came back and said, oh, by the way, these don't work, you know, and that was written up in the peer-reviewed medical literature after SARS-1, after MERS. This is one of the things that I shared. You know, we we have pictures of these things under an electron microscope. The size of MERS was 136 nanometers. The size of COVID is 100 nanometers. And what did they say about MERS? Masks don't work. Even the N95 respirator mask, the pores are bigger than that, than the MERS virus. So that didn't work. So what works? Not masks. <laughs> so why, do we, why do we say that? You know, why, why would people, and, and those questions, they do need to be answered at yeah. a higher court because these are crimes against humanity. I, 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 very, very sad, true story. I got a a message from a friend of mine. His mother committed suicide. Now, I am aware this is the 11th suicide that I'm aware of in in the group of people I know uh, and in their families. Guess how many COVID deaths I'm aware of? Zero. 
Wow. 11 suicides, zero COVID deaths. Wow. Hmm. How sad. It's beyond sad. And then we start talking about substance abuse and child abuse and, you know, yeah. out of control depression. And there's, there's a Dr. Scott Atlas. You can look him up. I don't know if he's been banned from YouTube yet. Scott Atlas is, is a Stanford uh, trained doc and he's brilliant. And he said, look, this is ridiculous. We know who's vulnerable. And that's basically people over 70 who are not healthy. Those people need to be protected. The rest of us, not at all. Right. Uh, and then someone said, well, you know, they had a meeting of superintendents and superintendents got COVID uh, and now they're quarantined. So we can't start school. And, and here's what he said. He said, school is not for the superintendents. It's for the kids. And the probability of a kid having a problem with this is basically a lightning strike. So put the kids back in school. Mm -hmm. Smart guy. And there are smart people, but most of them are on a gag order. I don't know if their financial well-being is threatened, their physical well-being, or both, but something's not right. People who could speak up aren't. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just plain wrong. I saw today that they're encouraging people now to wear goggles as well as masks. Goggles too. Mm -hmm. Well, how wonderful. I, I mean, let's pull out the whole hazmat suit, you know? <laughs> Here's what I'm wondering, like when people are, are dying and they're saying it is COVID related and they're in their 20s and that is stressing people out. And I, what I usually to say is they probably had an underlying condition they didn't know about or, you know, maybe they were obese or, you know, there's something else that's going on because the regular person is not just dropping dead of this disease. So the group of medical doctors in Washington, D.C. that had the press conference address, and the guy actually had a number. He said, across the entire nation, we're aware of something like 30 people under the age of 30 that had COVID deaths. He says, and the ones that I've looked at all had major comorbidities. And he says, I haven't looked at all of them, but I promise you there's a story behind every one of them. So healthy people don't even know anything about this bug. Their body doesn't, you know, they, they just go, oh, well, that's one of 10 quintillion viruses. <laughs> What's a quintillion? It's a billion trillions. COVID has been around since before the dinosaurs. That's from David St. Clair of Harvard. So why is this the end of humanity? The virus isn't, the stupidity is taking out a lot of people. And I'm on the mindset that I hope people wake up and drain the swamp because I always think there's a higher purpose. The swamp needs to be drained. I'm not saying what a person should do or what a person shouldn't do. I think that everyone should do their own research. And that is something that I have researched very much in my life. So no, there will absolutely be no Corona vaccine for me or anyone in my family. Well, I personally don't know anyone that actually did the research that either you know, that, that hasn't dramatically reduced or completely stopped the vaccine schedule. There's enough data out there. You've looked at it. But, you know, the data now is that senior citizens that got the flu shot last year, there's a very high statistical correlation between them and COVID death. There's a military study that showed that the military people that got the flu vaccine are 36% more likely to get COVID. So now we're starting asking, oh, these are well-published. These are in peer-reviewed journals. It's, it's not hard data to find. Just you know, type in PubMed military 
flu vaccine, 30% COVID, 36% COVID risk, you'll find it. The article's not, not that hard to find. But so what in the world is going on here? Well, I think we need to question some of it. And then if we wanted to talk about ingredients, mercury, a known neurotoxin, aluminum, a known neurotoxin, formaldehyde, why would you want that in your body? Aborted fetal tissue in the vaccines. You know, there's people that have an issue with that and say, why is that in there? Uh, And then if this bug has a 0.26% death rate, which by the way is exaggerated exponentially, why are you even worried about it when we got something like tuberculosis killing 1.5 million every year? doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. My question is, why do we even have access to all those aborted fetal cells? Because that's a lot of aborted fetal cells. Uh, that's a real good question. Real good question. And why is it in there? And we know that we have our own unique genetic material and our body knows how to identify it. And if we see foreign DNA, our body is designed to attack it. So how can that be good for anybody? I'm really looking for that answer as well. It doesn't take much digging to realize that the death rate from infectious disease, this is right out of the CDC at 1900, was 80 per uh, 100 people. It was 80% of people died from infectious disease. And there's a very steep decline in death rate from infectious disease that bottomed out somewhere around 1955 before we started this crazy vaccine scheduling. And even before antibiotics were widespread, and they say it was improved sanitation, hygiene, and nutrition that caused the decline in death rate from infectious disease. Well, why is it rising? Well, it's actually terrible nutrition. We have terrible nutrition. Global Nutrition Report literally says every country on planet Earth suffers from malnutrition. But look around at, and and you might, you know, the Global Nutrition Report says this. They said obesity is a sign of malnutrition. A body that is properly nourished can regulate its appetite. The satiety centers work. Mm -hmm. But when you eat food that has nothing in it, in terms of nutrition value, your body is craving the nutrients it hasn't been able to receive. And you keep eating, you keep eating, you keep eating. You keep getting fatter, fatter, fatter. Fatter increases inflammation, suppresses immune system, increases autoimmunity. It's a number two risk factor for cancer. And it's a major comorbidity of COVID death. So it boils down to really, I call them the deadly quartet, stress, toxins, malnutrition, and lack of physical activity. Stress, is that up in the world now? What about losing your job? What about losing your hope? What about losing God knows what? Toxins, now they're putting toxins on everything as if you didn't have enough already. Oh, you might appreciate this. There's new data now that the uh, glyphosate or Roundup is in the vaccines because they're so genetically modified, so much genetically modified material, and they call that an autism accelerator. So they've identified Tylenol, the antibiotic augmentin, and Roundup all, or glyphosate as the literature calls it, all is contributing to the autism pandemic. And the one that is the accelerator, they're injecting into kids and vaccines. And that's easy enough to verify, right? I I suspect the people that are listening to this are gonna dot the I's and cross the T's. You know, if you think we're a a bunch of wax, prove it. (laughs) We've got medical literature to back up everything we're saying. What do the other people have? 
oh, the government wouldn't do anything bad for you. I think they had good intentions where they are now. And, you know, since we're on this topic and I do want to take a tangent, I really looked at the history of, of vaccination and it started out with smallpox. It started out with something called variolation. When someone had a smallpox lesion, they would cut open the lesion. They would get a little bit of the fluid. They would cut the other person's arm and they would rub the immune fluid from the infected person into an open wound on the person that they were trying to protect. And they had very high success rate. Then when they found out that cowpox was a, a less deadly bug and they could use a cowpox lesion, they did it the same way. They cut open a cowpox lesion and rub it into a cut on the open arm. How did that get to mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, aborted fetal tissue, and then the smallpox virus itself with none of the person's immune response? How did it get to that? There's no logical reach. Is there a justification for the original form of vaccination? Yeah, they, they had good success with that. For what they're doing currently? No, smallpox vaccine was polled. You can look at the history of that because they found the risk of death from the vaccine was bigger than the risk of smallpox. That's a published medical fact. But your medical doctor will do what's best for you, right? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, well I'd like to think that they have a good heart. But I have families, I have family members in medicine, and I promise you they have a heart of gold. It's a harsh term, but they have been beyond brainwashed. They have been beyond brainwashed. From day one, they're introduced to this savior called the drug. And no, you don't need good nutrition, that's fiction. And no, you don't need exercise, that's fiction. And meditation, that's for wackos. When they come in, give them an antidepressant, give them a vaccine, mm -hmm. give them a drug. And, you know, I, I got smart people that have good hearts that their brain gave in at a point in time. With enough propaganda, they bought into it. It's crazy how that happens. In your, was it a struggle for you when you took the health path? Is it a struggle for you at all with your family or close friends or is everyone pretty much on board with you? Well, my immediate, right? I live in Texas. I've got family members in Wisconsin that think I'm a whack. You know, they're like, you know, Bob, this is killing people. Well, no, bad health is killing people, <laughs> right? The, the, the healthy of us aren't worried about this, this little virus. But, you know, in my immediate surroundings, you know, my, my kids are, are models in, in terms of health. My, my, well, I don't even want to, I shouldn't even bring up my granddaughter on a podcast. Well, let's just say she had the most natural, you know, introduction into the world that any human could have. And she is healthy and balanced and sweet and wonderful. And, you know, everybody should have that introduction. And when you see that beautiful skin and those bright eyes and that, that baby, you know, that was organic all the way through and, and nursed, there's something very special about that. And every child deserves that start. Mm -hmm. But here's a fact, and you can look this up. Boys, boys are different than girls. Uh, anatomy would tell us that, but their brains are too. Boys that are vaccinated for hepatitis B at birth have 900% more spending on special education. Wow. Yeah, the brain is damaged by oh, mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde. And by the way, how does one get hepatitis B? How about anal receptive homosexual sex or the sharing of IV drug needles? So you tell me 
why someone's a minute old is at risk for either of those things. I have asked that question so many times and zero people have ever been able to give me an answer. There is no answer except that, hey, we've got them and we want to make sure that, that they get their hepatitis B shot. That's just like giving, you know, whatever age they give girls an HPV vaccine, even though the medical literature shows that it increases the probability of autoimmune thyroid by 29%. And that's high enough in our population as it is. And there's other side effects. You know, why do you need to vaccinate a prepubescent girl for a sexually transmitted disease? And now males, males are also getting it. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. I think I am a big proponent and it is monetarily based because like the chicken pox vaccine, I don't see, I've never heard of a lot of people dying from that. But someone told me once that that vaccine was introduced because there were so many single parents who were having to miss work and this way their kids would never get chicken pox. Give them a choice. Well, I guess they do have a choice, don't they? At least still. You know, again, uh, I'll say it. I, I don't know a single parent, not one, that actually researched the vaccine schedule that didn't dramatically reduce it or stop it altogether. Mm-hmm. The data's there. We can, we can do our research. And if you do your research and you decide that's what you want to do, then I say, God bless you. You're free to do it. I yeah. pray for you and your child. Um, it's, it's not the choice I would make, right. but I, I honor your right to take care of your family as you see fit. I love that you say that because I could not agree with you more. I honor what people think. What I am disgusted by is when people cannot agree to disagree. We can have different opinions and that is fine, but you don't need to vilify me because I think differently. I Fine, that is what you want to do. You go do it. But I find it very fascinating the different things that people will say about me because of the different things that I've decided to do with my children. And it does not bother me in the slightest bit because we are all free to make decisions. And I've probably researched, I know that I've researched this stuff more than any of the people who will say anything negative because I don't do just what people tell me to do. And you're also a big enough person to love them where they are. But, you know, there's, a, there's an attorney that's very, very, very pro-vaccine. His name is Dershowitz. And I actually listened to an interview and believe it or not, when questions were asked, he was smart enough to say, you know what, that's a really good question. Initially, he said, this is a threat to public safety. Our government has a right to, you know, arrest you and plunge a needle into your arm to protect everybody else. But when, that's what he said originally. But here's what I like about it later, and I'll give him credit for at least listening to the person asking the questions. You know, when they started asking about safety and efficacy and they said, okay, well, now do you want your, your 12-year-old grandson, you know, vaccinated? And, and he said, well, based on this, I guess not. You know, he literally changed within it. He says, now I'm 80, I'm at risk, I'll line up for the vaccine. Well, good for you. You know, you have the right to make that choice. But at least you actually looked at the data because the data was presented He's, and then he changed his mind. No, I wouldn't do that to my 12-year-old grandson. So, you know, you can you can have a very strong opinion, but there's, this is a statement, it was by a, a politician named Monaghan. He said, look, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not entitled to their own facts. Mm-hmm. And, and so if the facts are that this person has much less risk from the virus than they do from the vaccine, what choice should we make? 
And a very powerful vaccine advocate said, well, they should err on the side of what's safe for them. And, and I honor him for that. That was, a, that was a, you know, I, my opinion changed from, you know, when he was the guy saying, you know, we can arrest you and plunge a needle in your arm. I thought this guy needs to go to jail because that's assault and battery. But when he said, well, let's look at the facts and do what's best for public safety. All right. We, I think we can all agree on that. Let's do what's best for public safety. I think that's interesting that that he said that you should be able, you should be arrested and have a needle plunged into your arm because a lot of times you will hear my body, my choice. So when, when well, did we throw that out the window? You know what? The same people that are making that argument are, are taking it away, right? Yeah. So double standards don't work. They just don't work. Hmm. That's very scary. Well, I appreciate your time today. And I think we're going to have to chat again because I think there's a lot more topics that we can discuss that is good for are good for people to hear. So I appreciate your time today. And you have anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, I, I certainly appreciate you. And, and you know, here, here's the simple thing, right? One of my mentors said this, there, there's not a single problem in the world love can't solve. So, you know, let's start out by loving ourselves. And one of my, you know, Ogman Dino, I'll quote him, when I, when I love myself, I will zealously inspect all things I allow to enter my mind, my heart, my soul, and my body. And you'll show up in the world better when you do that and just love those around. If someone's, you know, a little frightened, try to have compassion. I certainly try to, even though I don't agree with them. But uh, if you don't stand for something, you'll likely fall for anything. And, and so <laughs> I'm not going to fall for anything. I'm going to stand for something. I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to stand for light. I'm going to stand for health. I'm going to stand for freedom. And I know you do too. So I'm honored to share with you today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.